Legacy is for presidents. You can have a, a library made oh. after you. <laughs> right. Or, and if you want a real good legacy, you get shot and killed while in office. <laughs> and then, you, then you're exalted to an yeah. iconic status and yeah. the legacy stays for a couple of hundred years. If, but you think, uh, just talking about legacies, because I yeah, study yeah, please. for legacy. I can name some names that the whole world knew, this, names like Cary Grant and mm. John Wayne. John Wayne is at an airport in California. That's yeah. all it means to this generation. Mm. So legacy That's means nothing in this world. It's all transient. Yeah. And, and when we come to Christ, the legacy we worry about is our legacy before God. That's all that matters. That's Seek good. first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Who cares about legacy? But we want to, we want to reach this world even after we die. We want to still have our legacy reach this world in some way. They told me. Grandfatherhood was wonderful, amazing, extraordinary. They lied to me. Because it's far greater than that, friends. But I'll tell you something that's even greater than becoming a grandfather. It's becoming a grandfather, writing a song for your upcoming grandson, and having it approved by mom and dad. You guys know I write songs for my grandkids. Let's hear it. Yeah. I can't do that one yet because it's fresh and new. And Rachel has How many times do you have to practice something before you go public? Oh, no, Rachel did hear it because I was recording it last night in the room, driving her crazy as I was working on it. But I perfected it this morning. But I will share the song I did for my firstborn grandson, Haddon, who just turned two, who already we just took to Chuck E. Cheese's for the first time ever. It's Chuck E. Cheese, actually. I don't even know if that's a great thing. What's that? It's just Chuck E. Cheese. No, it's not. It's Chuck E. (laughs) Cheese's. I used to think it was Chuck E. Cheese, but it's Chuck E. Cheese's. And we took them. It should be called Chuck E. Sneezes, because it is is pretty gross. Did I tell you about when my mom used to work there? (laughs) No. In high school, she used to work there, and she was Chucky. She had to like dress up as oh, that the, would be my worst the mouse, and so she's out there like for a birthday party, playing with the kids and stuff. And her high school boyfriend walks in, walks right behind her, and picks her up in the costume, and the head falls off. And the birthday boy points and screams and goes, "Chucky's a girl!" <laughs> and she got fired. Are you serious? <laughs> she got fired. <laughs> oh man! So isn't it chaotic? Is this? I, I've never been there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, boy. It's hometown buffet for children. <laughs> I was okay. about to say, I was about to say, what, DMV, the, the, the DMV, of, DMV of restaurants, yeah. Golden Corral, that's what you said about that. It is pretty cool experience for kids, but when you start thinking about how many kids with slimy hands are touching things and the germs and the, Great oh. place to build your immune system. <laughs> I love bringing my kids to yeah. Chuck E. Cheese because you check them in. As you come in, you know, you get a little stamp yeah, or something. right. And then we just let them go. We wouldn't give them any quarters or tokens because we didn't have any. But you can watch other kids have fun. (laughs) And we went in there and it was a place of solace and peace for us, as crazy as it was, because we had five kids under seven years old and they could just all run around. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that is a a glorious thing about Mm. it. What's cool is at this very same Chuck E. Cheese, what's funny is you said DMV, we said DMV. It used to be a DMV. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. And they changed it. But it's cool because that's the same one that, that all bar kids went to when they were babies, you know, kids. So, so is Chuck E. Cheese outside of the U.S. or are we just talking something that's oh, colloquial? Oh, good question. Oh, yeah. Oh, to all yes, of our friends. U.S. listeners. Look it up. Google it. Google it. 
Google is outside of the U.S., so you could uh, check it out. Yeah, for but, those who don't know that Chuck E. Cheese, what Chuck E. Cheese is, because you didn't grow up in the United States, perhaps, it's a pizza place where there's a bunch of video games, but the pizza tastes like cardboard, and they have a <laughs> all-you-can-eat salad bar where kids are allowed to, like, throw their used coins into and then pull salad out with yeah, it. Yeah. and Did oh, I summarize that yeah, well? Pretty much. And you know what? They're getting so shrewd now. Are because, they? Well, it used to be, you know, coins, and kids would lose them, drop them. Now they've, they've got a bracelet you wear, and there's no more coins. It's bing! You put it oh, up on the floor. really? So kids can just go through money <laughs> like scary. nothing. So do know? parents get to eat or anything? Is that how they pull you the kids, parents in with the kids? Yeah, so there's food, sandwiches, pizza, salads, you know. So, the parents so you can come sit. in for your kids. And yeah, and then they stamp you so that they, ha- you have to, they have to check you so someone can't steal your kid. And your parents just sit there and their kids And then once an hour, a just, giant rat comes so, out and dances. That was so, throws tickets. That was so casually said. They've got to stamp you so that someone doesn't steal your kid. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's just living in today's society. Who had the idea of at a restaurant having a giant rat. <laughs> I know, right? It's funny. I say that in one of my sermons because I talk about idolatry and I talk about how in India there's this temple where they worship rats, you know, and people are sitting there, rats are climbing all over them. They feed the rats before they even Seriously? Eat. It's Ooh. crazy. And then I say, that's where the idea for Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> came from. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, my song for my grandson, Haddon. Oh, we thought you distracted you. No, no, you. no. You didn't oh escape God. this one. You did not escape. He's my grandson. His name is Had, and he's the first one we've ever had, and he has made our hearts very glad in the Lord. Doo doop 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 doo doop doop. And now he does the doo doop doop part. Too. Does he really? Yeah, he That's does. Awesome. I love it. It's funny. Anyway, friends, that was well. All to stupid. answer the question, Chuck E. Cheese is international. Hong it Kong, is. Singapore, what? Australia, England, Spain, Trinidad, Tobago, what? and other countries. I cannot. Chuck E. You know, honestly, when COVID hit. I thought Chuck E. Cheese is done forever. 100%. I thought for sure, right? I, I thought mean, it was like the, the genesis of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the word, Forget the, the Wuhan episode. lab yeah. and started I Chuck thought e. Wuhan Jesus. was translated to English roughly as Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it survived somehow. Like the germs there, it survived. Yeah, soup plantation didn't survive. <laughs> Dude, soup plantation. They're I love gone. that place. What? Said yeah, nobody ever? Yeah. What? Oh, grandma's like it. I, I don't... <laughs> I love soup. I could eat soup for lunch and dinner every yeah. single day I of my life. Soup. But I, soup plantation's big, like... Yeah, I'm not a big fan flavored of Flavored water. Well, it's all made inside of some sort Mark, of... Mark, take Oscar thing. to BJ's today. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. getting over BJ's. I had it yesterday. <laughs> no, no not, did you really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, friends. We have a comment. This is from House. 96, H-A-U-S, 96, dreaming of Ray Comfort. My husband had a dream that Ray was terminally ill. Our family was... (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Our family was sad. Then we thought, there is no better person to be ill because he isn't afraid of death. (laughs) Ray even released a statement saying he isn't afraid of dying. You guys are such a big part of our lives. You are now even in our dreams. Please don't dream about me. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. Oh, that was really, really the funny. The dream that Easy was murdered at Chuck E. Cheese by, by two dozen kids. Easy loves to be murdered. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, friends, thank you for writing in. That really is funny. Thanks for sharing it. Speaking and, of funny. Uh, keep dreaming about Ray. What? You know the icon, smiley face icon, that yellow icon with a little smile the and emoji? the emoji? Yes. Yeah, the emoji. The guy that. Uh, Designed that was an American designer who got paid $45 for it, and that's all he got. Stop. That's why, he's, that's why he's not smiling. His name was uh, Harvey Ball. There's a similar story with the <laughs> Nike logo. The oh, guy really? who created the Nike logo it wasn't got paid a, like it wasn't $400. A creation. It wasn't a creation. It was just a slip of the pen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, that'll work. About that. 
Wait, do you guys know what the Nike symbol symbolizes? Uh, Achilles. The, Achilles. There's a, a Greek god, right? A Greek god, Nike. It's the wing. It's the <laughs> wing of the god. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was a chick. No, nah, no. Nah. Hmm. God wing. All right, friends. They are here. You heard about it on the last podcast. We're telling you about it again. We have the mugs. Oscar, are you holding the mug up for those that can't see? Yeah, I'm, well, the, we do have for the video. No, no, but I'm saying you're holding it up. What we have here? It's like, what's the uh, the made for TV thing? QRC or what's that thing called? But wait. TVC? Yeah, but wait, there's more. We'll <laughs> give you a dozen if you just pay for one. <laughs> <laughs> friends, we have been telling you about the mugs forever i'm in the famous accent of ray comfort and they're here and uh there you have it uh you guys didn't know i was a hand model it says we have no idea what we're doing on it and it's Uh, still true and uh, we got our beautiful mugs on the mug so make sure to get it friends uh this helps uh support uh the ministry and what we do where can they get it at livingwaters.com, along with the Evidence Study Bible. But really, friends, get these. It'll remind you to pray for us or against Ray Mark and Oscar. <laughs> we did buy a limited amount. I think there's only like 100 or 150. So only 100, I think it's 150. I think yeah. only 150 people will get access to these these mugs that we made. They're sort of our launch mugs, even yeah. though we're, we got them at episode 200. They still <laughs> technically are our launch mugs. So yeah. Lunch mugs. Lunch mugs, lunch, yeah. So lunch only mugs. 150 uh, of you will, will get this mug, and we'd love for you to be one of them. Yeah. So make sure to get them, friends. Show us your support. Uh, be encouraged and drink coffee with lots of creamer, please. In fact, that is the one rule about these mugs. You cannot drink just black coffee. That's not them. true. I'm doing that it right now. It should be no, true. It should be true. All right, friends. Today, we are talking about leaving a legacy by learning to lovingly lead. Who makes up these silly I don't know. <laughs> these silly titles. But he needs a raise <laughs> and a promotion. Yeah, you know, I... I I was thinking about the power of leadership. You guys think about how you've got CEOs in major corporations that are making massive amounts of money. Like us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely not us. But, you know, you see them making all these big dollars and the common employee would look at those guys and think, look at me, I'm here sweating. I'm working, you know, whatever the company might be, maybe out in the sun, I'm in a factory, I'm... And here's this guy dressed in these nice clothes. He's riding in jets. He's having dinners with people. He's going to, you know, all these exotic countries. And has a mug. (laughs) (laughs) With his face on it. (laughs) He has no idea what he's doing. And there's that perception. But boy, it really is a demonstration that while it looks like that's all he's doing, it's because of that guy, in, in most cases, that that employee has a job in that leadership has massive impact. It's not just about flying around in jets and eating nice lunches and wearing nice clothes. This is the person who is exerting leadership influence that is casting vision, that is providing core values for the organization, that is leading them through difficult times, that is coming up with the creativity and giving direction. And so all that to say, guys, leadership is huge. But if there's anything we've learned over the course of time as leaders, as those who are in ministry, is the tragedies that can come with leadership if leadership is not exerted in the right way with the right heart. Mm. And I think today the church is in really big trouble. We're living in the celebrity kind of Christian leader, pastor era, 
where there is this mindset that we are like the world. You know, it is about those things, about hitting the top of the, the corporate ladder, so to speak, spiritually, so that then we can begin to exert authority. But, but Christ had a different idea in mind for his leaders. And so I think it's, it's good for us to talk about that and That's address good. it. Yeah, I thought you wanted us to talk about leading our families. That too. Okay, good, because that's what I prepared for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm talking about leadership on, on all fronts, you know, ministry, family. To kind of jump on the celebrity pastor idea, I think one of the important aspects of, boy, I, I, I you know, I cringe at celebrity pastor culture. You know that. Mm. I really despise that reality. And I think it's so unfortunate. And it's a red flag to me when you've got like a guy who's got a church of a couple hundred people but they invest so much time on a global social media account. Mm. Like they so badly want to be some sort of social media influencer with exponential number of likes and views and listens and watched and follows and blah, 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 blah. It's like their their primary focus is their platform. Mm. And often what happens in that regard is that their preaching and their conversations become shallow. And it could be a secular shallow, but it can also be a doctrinally shallow. It could be the guy that checkmarks all the right checkmark boxes when it comes to his theology and doctrine, but he's out there without his own personal voice, just sort of repeating the things that have already been said by other people, except investing so much into his social media. What it means to be a pastor is to be a shepherd, to be a shepherd of a local flock, your people. You need to pastor your people, preach to your people. That needs to be your primary focus. And if nobody else listens, praise the Lord because he's given you that flock, mm-hmm. those people, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, we, we just have this obsession with celebrities and so much to the point where we find value and worth when we think we are in some way, shape, or form famous. When we like we we put so much time, energy, and attention in in the response that happens on social media when that stuff is meaningless, mm. especially to pastors. The Lord has called you to your flock, to your flock, not the whole world. Yeah. Hey listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, and and you know, you talked about I thought you were going to go in, in a different direction with that, and it brought another idea to mind. You have that angle that you just gave, but then you have that pastor of that church with a couple hundred people who's chewing out his congregation for not getting him a watch right. <laughs> that he wanted. Remember that, Ray? Yes, I remember that. I mean, that was... Is that Cleflo? 
No, it was another guy. Did did you do a video on that one, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, and it was a very very expensive watch. Yeah, yeah, and it he was not. You want to give the context? I remember it, but I don't remember it uh, race car clearly. Watch. Yeah, it was basically. A, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about race watch in a minute, <laughs> but it was basically a pastor who was reaming his congregation because there was some hallmark or some kind of occasion or something, and they didn't get him the watch he wanted. So he wanted a certain watch, like he specified it, and they didn't get it for him. And, and we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, I don't know the exact amount, but it was, it was a it was very expensive yeah. watch, yeah. And he was chewing them out. And, you know, he's like, you know, something about, you know, you got your Louis Vuitton, you got your this, you, got, you can't buy me a watch. You can't, I mean, it was. I mean, Ray, how did that make you feel watching that? I mean, sick. as a ministry leader. Yeah, sick. Yeah. So watching a guy talk about watches. <laughs> watch <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch and pray. Yeah, it was just horrible. It just showed the, the contemporary church at its worst. Yeah. You know. And the world is watching, right? I mean, seriously, the world is looking at that, and that made headlines on, oh, yes. on secular media. It wasn't like some Christian news channels reporting on it. The world is watching, and that's their perception of what supposedly a Christian leader is, and it's exactly opposite of what Jesus talked about in that regard. Yeah. And, and let me just say that leadership spills over into, again, so many different areas of life. And that's what I want to talk about. You know, our leadership in ministry, leadership at work as Christians, our leadership with our wives, our leadership with our children, our leadership as coaches, right? As community leaders, politicians, whatever. Um, What's the title of today's podcast? This one we're doing right now? Yes. Leaving a legacy by learning to lovingly lead. So it's not leadership, it's a legacy, is it we're looking at? It's leading. Leading. And legacy. <laughs> All of it combined. I, we have no I thought idea it was about, what we're what doing. Was about, I thought it was about just leaving, <laughs> leaving a legacy for the kiddos and... Yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I was that's thinking. what I prepared for. But yeah. you know, I can throw an audible. Yeah, we can do all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me wrap up on on maybe just uh, external leadership, and then we can shift to leadership in the home because it's clear that these two. Yeah, bozos. they didn't get the memo. Uh, no, actually, I did the same error. It wasn't an error. I didn't specify. I should have specified more. It's my fault. No, it's I'm my fault. I'm a humble fault. leader. Easy. No, I'm a good leader. No, 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 I studied on legacies <laughs> and le- leaving a legacy, like the title says. By learning nothing. to lead with love, yeah. Let me let me wrap up on, on the, the general leadership idea, and then we can shift to the family and legacy, maybe. So often we see Jesus talk about his kingdom through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this kingdom that Jesus talks about is what is often called the upside down kingdom. All of the value systems of the kingdom of God are utterly reversed from the value systems of the kingdom of man. You win not through power, but through meekness. You win not through pride, but through humility. You gain your life not by keeping it, by losing it. Over and over and over again, there's this inversion Hmm. from the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. And in one of those areas too is leadership. Uh, and it's not just the leader that needs to identify this. It's also us because we are all followers. And the reality is that we all can be a part of the problem as well because we tend to, I think, gravitate towards secular style leadership, the authoritative, put his fist down, be absolute, be controlling because we want somebody to be a stick in the ground, a solidified leader that we can grab onto. And so what happens is that people gravitate towards toxic, narcissistic leaders because they make you feel safe. They sound like they know what they're doing. They are so sure of themselves. Mm. And when a meek leader comes along, 
that talks about the gray areas, that tries to give you sort of different perspectives and guide you and humbly takes time. We tend to not follow, like, like look on social media. We tend to gravitate to the guy, to the guy that's like, this is what's up. And not to the guy who goes, well, there's some nuance here. And I think that we should talk about that. That guy's the compromiser. Nobody wants to go to that guy. And so what do we need to do? We need to be reminded of the upside down kingdom. We need to be reminded of the leadership of Christ. He led through humility. He led through sacrifice. He led through giving up his authority and his rights to lift up another. He was put down into a grave so that the rest of us could be lifted up. And when we act as leaders, when we gravitate towards leaders, we should be looking for Christ-like leadership. That doesn't mean he was never authoritative. That doesn't mean he never spoke in absolutes. But the overall disposition of Jesus as a leader was that of a servant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, leadership is growth downward, right? Mm-hmm. We see this with John the Baptist, that I must decrease, he must increase. John Piper, he said, servanthood does not nullify leadership, it defines it. Jesus does not cease to be the lion of Judah when he becomes the lamb-like servant of the church. Amen. Or as Wayne Mack put it, he said, a leader must have a servant's heart. And if he has a servant's heart, he will act like a servant and react like a servant when he's treated like a servant. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and that really is the rub, right? I mean, that's when the rubber meets the road. It's, okay, you might say that you're a servant. You might talk about how, you know, you're the last Elisa servant of all. But yeah, when you're treated like one, how do you respond? How do you act? What's your attitude? How do you act when you're corrected by someone who may even be, you know, your uh, subordinate? Do you bristle? Do you, who who are you to talk to me that way? Or is there this heart of like, hey, thank you, because Mm. you care about one thing. I mean, we've, we've beat this theme time and again, and we can't do it enough, actually. But really, it comes down to the glory of God. If you ask yourself in the midst of everything you're about to do, every word you're about to utter, every, every action you're about to execute, does this glorify the Lord? Mm. And you can't divorce glorifying the Lord from what God has revealed in his word is glorifying to him. That's it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I feel this glorifies the Lord. The Lord has revealed what glorifies him. So does my action correspond to that? Because when I'm in that heat of the moment and someone has just, you know, said something that rubbed me the wrong way or or made me, you know, feel humiliated. You're talking about me, aren't you? Always, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how 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 now am I going to, in this heat of the moment, as I'm feeling this, glorify God? Mm. That's that's man. really good, easy. Yeah. And these are the words we base this on, Mark 10, 42 to 45. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Mm. For even, and now he ties it to himself. I loved it. I love it when Jesus does this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Ray, this is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. In the eyes of the world, everything is upside down, as Oscar was saying. Last shall be first, the first shall be last, the leader shall be a servant, and the servant a leader. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a contradiction, is it? Ray? It's a paradox, which is a seeming contradiction. Mm. And this just, once again, right, growth upward is growth downward, that it's humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself because you're already thinking of someone who deserves to receive the glory. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 
this is so massively crucial because I think one of the biggest deceptive elements is not realizing the impact of our leadership. And I think that's why so many people are reckless with it, especially parents. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, like years later, their kids are living in ways that, that are really harmful. And again, not that the kids aren't culpable in making their own decisions, right? There are kids that grew up in horrendous homes, but ended up making right choices and honoring God. But still, there are things parents can do, decisions they can make, ways they can act toward their kids that can create the kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. where they have the opportunity for resentment to grow and for there to be bitterness and brokenness. And, and Ray, what, what, what is that? I mean, hmm. when, when you see, for example, in homes and leadership, Rachel's often, in fact, we were just having dinner with a pastor and his wife, and she was just gloating about your impact on her life and about how much she loves you because of just how you were always present and you were such a godly man and all those things. But what is it that causes parents to not be that? Is it a just, you know, they're too busy, they're ir easily irritated, they're not thinking about how their actions are gonna translate over to impacting their kids? That's exactly it, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> now on the next episode. Yeah, um, boy, if, if parents would soak their souls in the Word of God, they've, they've got to come out with what we're talking about, mm -hmm. to train your children up the way they should go and lead with humility and don't play the hypocrite in front of your kids because nothing destroys respect like playing the hypocrite. You've always said that. That's something I've heard you say time and again. Can mm. you kind of build on that a little bit? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, hear so many people talk, so many kids, so my, my parents, I say, your parents Christians? No, not really. And there's a resentment toward their parents mm. that had a form of godliness but were not committed in their walk with the Lord. There was no fear of God before their eyes. And I think... If you do something wrong, I think the greatest sermon you could ever preach to your kids is to apologize. That's what we've often Amen. said here, just to say, mm. I'm really sorry. I got angry when I shouldn't have, or I did something that wasn't Christian, or I watched something on television that I shouldn't watch. And that's something I, we try and watch wholesome programs on TV, but they sneak up on you. You just want to find out what happens next. Some guy blasphemes, mm. but you didn't find out who done it. And you want to find out who done it, and are you going to stay with it or who did it? That's proper. <laughs> Who done it? That was for Mark. Yeah. Or are you going to stay with her? Are you going to say, Lord, I'm not going to let any you know, evil thing pass before my eyes. So that, mm. that, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, we were talking, Rachel and I, about different TV shows that I grew up watching, and she knew some of them, but she said, yeah, we weren't allowed to watch that. And I go, oh, she said, yeah, because you know, we, we'd started, and then my dad realized, oh, this, this just has bad themes or blasphemy or whatever. Mm and you would shut it off. And that, that's hard for a lot of parents to do. It shouldn't be, but being fleshly like we are, you know, we don't wanna disappoint our kids or we don't wanna cause tension or we don't wanna, but here's your daughter now, right? Who's a mother, who's a grandmother, and she's reflecting back on how those instances impacted her. And now, along with myself, she's doing the same thing with our children. Mm, and now wonderful. we're watching our children do it with their children. And their children will do it with their children. And then their children. <laughs> Here we go. You know what, actually, that's, that's important um, because I think leaving a legacy for your family starts with recognizing the legacy of sin in yourself. The scriptures make it clear that in a peculiar kind of way, there are these things called generational sin. Actually, Genesis 5 verses 1-3 allude to that when it says, when God 
created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. And then it says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own image, mm. in his own image, and he named him Seth. And, and you see that there are, there's a way in which the sins of our fathers our pants passed down to ourselves. And if we're not careful, passed down to our children, true. I mean, Isaac gave favor to Esau over Jacob uh, and that probably hurt Jacob. But what does Jacob do? He replicates it by favoring Joseph over the other brothers. Mm. And what happens? It provokes the brothers to murderous envy. And so I love that we start, and and often when we talk about fatherhood or parenting, we talk about how often we need to repent. We need to repent of our own sins. You don't need to be a perfect parent, but you need to be a parent willing to put sanctification on display Mm. to both your wife and especially your children. Because the reality is that there is a legacy of sin in each and every one of us. Sometimes it's a big legacy of sin. Sometimes you come from a a family of unfaithfulness, of constant divorce, of violence, of addiction. My biological father did not grow up with his father in the home. I didn't grow grow up with a biological father in the home. My family has addiction after addiction in their legacy, but it doesn't even have to be that big stuff. Sometimes a legacy of sin can be pride or greed or unforgiveness. Like these are things that we pass down, but the beauty of the gospel, when we subject ourselves to the grace of God, when we humble ourselves before our families, is that he redeems our legacies. Mm. He restores it. We see him creating new covenants, new legacies within families so that now my son is growing up with a father in the home so that now my kids don't know what addiction looks like from inside of their own home. I mean, Kelly and I were the first of our parents, of our grandparents to pray with kids, to open God's word with kids, to, to create Bible studies and devotions. Like we didn't have that growing up. Neither of us have any memories or recollection of reading the Bible in our own homes. It just wasn't, it was a foreign concept when we had children. And that doesn't lift up how awesome Kelly and Ara are. What that does is lift up how amazingly gracious God is and and redeeming people's legacy. The sword Um, of the gospel cut that curse. Amen. Mm. Amen. I love that. Richard Gunther, my, my friend Rich Gunther said, God made mankind, sin made him cruel. Oh, I like that. Isn't that good? Yeah, he's your cartoonist. Yes, one of them. Yeah. I think that there is this missing component in our hearts and minds when it comes to recognizing that legacy is what's passed on, right? And it's not about our legacy. It's not like, hey, I want to leave a legacy so people can look back and say, oh, what a great man he was, right? I mean, seriously... Those who do that are are out of touch with, yeah? Legacy is for presidents. You can have a a library made after you. (laughs) Right. Or, and if you want a real good legacy, get shot and killed while in office. (laughs) And then then you're exalted to an iconic status and the legacy stays for a couple hundred years. But you think, uh, just talking about legacies, because I... Yeah, yeah, study please. Legacy. I can name some names that the whole world knew. This, names like Cary Grant and mm. John Wayne. John Wayne is that an airport in California? That's yeah. all it means to this generation. Mm. So legacy That's means nothing in this world, and in the, it's, it's all transient. Yeah. And when we come to Christ, the legacy we worry about is our 
our legacy before God. That's all that matters. That's Seek good. first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Who cares about legacy? But we want to, we want to reach this world even after we die. We want to still have our legacy reach this world in some way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked a handful of uh, podcasts back about the legacy of Jonathan Edwards mm-hmm. and the impact that he had, that famous early American pastor, writer, and one time president of Princeton University. He had 11 children of his own known male descendants. He had more than 300 that became pastors, missionaries, or theological professors. Did he know about this? He, <laughs> he did not. Uh, 120 were professors at various universities. Wow. 110 became attorneys, 60 were prominent authors, 30 were judges, 14 became presidents of universities or colleges, three served in U.S. Congress, and one became the vice president of the United States. And one of them works at Subway. (laughs) (laughs) Say something like that. Uh, One that went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you think about Jonathan Edwards. I mean, he was a man who, if you read about his life, invested in his family. Amen. You know, he was a very busy man. I mean, he he really spent a lot of time studying God's word and leading God's people, but still he had a routine where he would spend time with his children, spend time with his wife, you know, and make those investments. And I think that the greatest legacy we can leave behind is that we pointed others to the Lord. Mm. There are times in my life when I catch myself being vain. Really? Oh. What? Thank you. I was waiting. Yeah, I paused because I, 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 I'm surprised it took you guys that long. The Castle of Mirrors. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any pictures hung up in his office, only mirrors. That's it. Yeah. Best picture of all, right? Living, it's a, yes. Yeah. But there are times, you know, when whatever, I'm just being fleshly and thinking about myself and my reputation, you know, whatever. And when the conviction of God comes upon me, I can't even begin to describe how so disgusted I feel. You know, it's we like, feel the same, Bill. yeah, <laughs> constantly and incessantly. But I, I just seriously step back and I think, yeah, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm going to stand before the Lord, you know, and we act certain ways at certain times because people can't see our hearts. Because mm. if we knew they could, we would work a whole lot harder to root those things out of us that are inside of us, rather than to pretend that we're not like that. And I've often said. Lord, make the outward impression of who I might be in people's eyes the inward reality of who I really am. Mm. Because all of us, right? We, you know, people see what we let them see. I love it when it talks about in John about Jesus. It says, He did not need anyone to bear witness to him concerning man, for he knew all men and what was in man. The thought of nothing that is done in secret will not come to the light, that that all things are going to be revealed. We're going to give account before the Lord. And it's terrifying in one sense, and in another sense, it's relieving because the Lord says He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Mm. You know, all that to say, when we're thinking about legacy, when we're thinking about leadership in connection with legacy, we need to just pause and ask ourselves, where are our hearts at? One of my favorite sayings: "It's amazing how much will get done when no one cares who gets the credit." Mm. Yeah. That's really good. You just reminded me our, our kids like to play. Yeah, like that was the... really good, easy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Did uh, I sound good? How was that, guys? Thank you. Our kids like to play the Would You Rather game, and they're always coming up with new ones or finding lists. And so one of them this past weekend was, would you rather have like see-through skin to be able to see your insides, or would you rather 
have your skin display, like change color based on your true emotions and what you were thinking. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, we'll see insides because then I can wear clothes. And I thought for a second, I'm like, actually, I think I'd rather my skin display my true thoughts and emotions because it would force me mm. to not hide wow. and cause me to truly <laughs> repent from those things. Yeah, that's you know? so true. You know? I, was, I was listening to an audiobook on the way to work today on marriage and and the author had said pause for a moment and think about where your marriage needs growth i did and then you're all laura (laughs) (laughs) that's where the conviction came in and he Uh, and and he said did you immediately think of your spouse's need for growth mm -hmm. or your own yeah Uh, yeah and i paused i hit it and i went Wow, Got me. I'm so convicted. But needless, but I, I will say that I thought of myself first really quickly, mm. but I had a long list for her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I don't know, man. I, I just I'm convicted because I'm even as we're talking right now, I mean, this is real time stuff happening, but I'm just I'm realizing how so little I weep over my sin. Yeah. And I'm, that's just convicting me. You know, we we really should be disgusted by our sin. We we should be broken over our sin before the Lord. And oftentimes I'm not, I'm not going to say we're not, because I'm not, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I just know for me, it's just not, it's not what it should be. You know, I mean, listen to these words by Samuel Brangle. He said, spiritual leadership is not won by promotion, but by prayers and tears. It is attained by much heart searching and humbling before God, by self-surrender, a courageous sacrifice of every idol, a bold, uncompromising, and uncomplaining embracing of the cross, and an eternal, unfaltering looking unto Jesus crucified. This is a great price, but it must be unflinchingly paid by him who would be a real spiritual leader of men, a leader whose power is recognized and felt in heaven, on earth, and in hell. That guy just stole my thought, because I was just thinking, if we can't weep over sin, we can weep over the cross. Mm. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, That's so true. Let's kind of, you know, dissect that a little bit. Like, Mark, when you think of that legacy we're talking about, you know, through, again, the whole point is loving leadership, right? Because apart from love infused into leadership, then you've got really authoritarianism. You know, you're just a dictator, what are some of the things that come to mind when you think about the kind of leader that, that you want to be and that those listening should be? One who's, uh, as Todd Friel says, you know, your kids should know that you're the biggest sinner in the house, not because you sin more than anybody else, but because you're always confessing, yeah. you know, before the kids. You know, I had a harsh word towards mama, and I wanted to let you guys know that that's not a proper representative of the way a man should be towards his wife. I was really strong towards you concerning this, and I shouldn't have done that. Or I've been worried about finances for whatever reason. I shouldn't be worried because, and it, remember, it is not our job to raise Christian children, but to model what a Christian is for our children. Yeah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So when you think of your house, your house should be a, a place of honor and worship, a place where strangers alike will feel comfort coming inside your house, there, that there's a peace that rests there, that sin is not put up with, mm. that if there is compromise that's going to happen, it's not going to happen inside the house, that we have rules that are set up to honor the Lord. The commandments of the Lord are not burdensome, neither are the rules mm. of the house that are set up. Yeah. So I, I, I pray that my house would be a house where my kids would know that they can come and talk to me about any subject under the sun. 
It doesn't matter if they've struggled inside of it or they're wondering about it or they've heard about it. They know that mom and dad are two people inside this journey called life that they want to go through it with them, that yeah. they're not perfect people. Mm -hmm. They are perfectly forgiven and, and they don't hide behind that, that idea, that mantra, well, no one's perfect. No, we, we call it what it is, right? So I really desire to be a person that is like that and I'm not like that. And I'm growing to try to be like that. We just met with a, Laura and myself, we just met with another couple uh, last Saturday concerning our marriage. You know, we, we want to learn. We want to read marriage books. We just finished a marriage book. We're just starting another marriage book. Mm -hmm. uh, why are you going to marriage conferences and seminars? Because it'll always, we will always be a work in progress. We need help at all times. Yeah, that's so good. You know, Ray, let's transition over to marriage. You're the most professional husband at this table, 50, over 50 now? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. No what hell, let me just think, just for 52. 52, wow. That's 104. 104, yeah. That's 104 yeah. years. So, so touch on leadership in, in marriage. Like, What does that look like in terms of a legacy of love? If people were to speak about you, let's say, after you know, you're with the Lord, what would you want to be remembered? Not for your glory, but for an example for others of here's how... That's a good question. Boy, I, I knew you asked something like that. such a good question. I, I, I really don't care. I hope you have a good answer. <laughs> I, I, I don't care what they think. No, no, it's not about that. I'm yeah, saying know, as a, by way of example of what, what can help make a healthy, godly marriage. Well, I, I think leadership. what makes a healthy, godly marriage is just love. That's all there is. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church, you'll do everything for her benefit. And your... Love for her will be limited by your understanding of Christ loving the church. And the reason so many people don't get a glimpse of the cross is because they don't get a glimpse of their own sin. So if you can see sin and all its horror, like what you're talking about, weeping over your own sin, that's when you get a revelation of the cross, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Yeah. There's no greater contempt a human being can have for another person than to use their name as a cuss word. Mm -hmm. Often I mention that when I'm witnessing to people. So can you think of anyone in history who's had their name used as a cuss word? Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus. Only person in all of history. The one that gave his life on the cross. So when you understand the wickedness of the human heart, and it's in your heart too, that's when you understand the love of the cross. And when you understand the love of the cross, that's what you're to aim at in your marriage. And so I'm continually thinking of Sue's benefit. Mm. What can I do to benefit her in any way? And I think that's the key. And it reflects back from her. When she discerns my love for her, it just bounces back. Wow. And how can she not love me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let her count the ways. Pretty good answer, Ray, for a man who had no answer. I didn't that have an answer. That was spot on. Oscar, let, let's transition over to leadership in the workplace for those that, that are bosses, for those that are supervisors, for ministry, for those that are pastors, those that are coaches, whatever, leaders in the community. What, what are some of the marks you think that would leave a legacy in connection with love? Kind of what we talked about before, which is to lift other people up. I think a leader is someone who serves, who put themselves and their needs behind the needs of others. And I think a big one is, is someone who sees less of themselves and more of other people. It is really hard to lead when you're in self-defense mode. Mm -hmm. You can't lift other people up. Other people can't strive around you if you're the one that wants to be the best, if you're the one that wants all the credit. How can anybody else thrive? What you'll end up doing is continue surrounding yourself 
with people who you think that you're better than. Mm. Uh, and that's a problem. And so I think one of the best marks of a godly leader in the secular workplace and in the community is somebody who is constantly lifting up others mm. uh, so that they feel empowered to go do the thing that they do. I got a, I got a great compliment. I was really thankful by this. A mom came up to me. I co- you, you mentioned coaches. I'm sure you're alluding to the fact that I coach Levi's right. basketball team. I'm soon be, soon be coaching my daughter's soccer team as well. There's a couple of Christian parents that are out there that have like messaged me on the side when their kids weren't on our team. They're like, hey, you know, we noticed that you wear these these shirts with Bible verses on them. Can you get our son on your team? We're Christians. We love, which I love that. Like, I oh. love that it's there's a witness happening. But this non-believing parent at the last game came up to me and she was like, oh, the kids played so well. They were so great. And she goes, you know, one of the things is coaching style. You're always being an encouragement to them. You're always like, it, you know, the other coach was harping down on them. Like, what are you doing? They're 11 years old. Yeah. But the kicker is not that you can't correct somebody. The kicker is those coaches, because I hear them when we're doing the rosters, those coaches are coaching because they want to look good. Mm. Like the record the kids get is a reflection on how good they are as a coach is their perspective. Right. And so they respond with anger. They respond with immediacy. They respond with high demands. They're not coaching for the best interests of the kids. They're coaching for the best interest of themselves. And so mm-hmm. as leaders in the workplace, on the field, on the court, we have to lead with the best interest of others, not ourselves. Amen. Oh, it's so good. And I mean, guys, honestly, when we think about it, it's all summed up in what scripture already tells us, what Jesus said that, right? I mean, love is a fulfillment of the law. That, that On these two, all the law and the prophets hang to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. And just to remind us, again, I, I've talked about the John 3.16 syndrome, where we're so familiar with something, we miss its significance. First Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I f- have all faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Mm. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. <laughs> so good. What is love, right? And now he tells us, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, mm. does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And let me just say this, friends. If after listening to this, you don't really grasp the divine nature of God's word, then you probably don't know the Lord because these are not these these are not the words of men. These are mm, divinely amen. breathed. Men don't think up stuff like this. You know, it comes down to that love. Love your wife. Love your children. Love your employees. Love the kids that you coach. Love the people in the community that you're serving, and you do that and God is going to be glorified. You're going to leave a legacy, not that's going to magnify you, but that's going to magnify the Lord. And that's what it's all about. It's good. Amen? Amen. Amen. There you have it, friends. Thanks for joining us. And if you want to be reminded of all these things, I know something that will bring all of this back to mind perfectly. Every word we just said, the Living Waters podcast mugs. Yeah. 
well, they'll really remind you as we have no idea what we're doing because <laughs> it's emblazoned on their friends along with our ugly faces so that you can pray for us. And uh, it, <laughs> Oscar, I love your hand motions. I wish people listening could see that. But there you have it, friends. Thanks for joining us. Remember, hey, keep giving us those ratings. Listen, we have millions of downloads now. Over 2 million. Yeah, and you guys are keeping us at five stars. So thank you. Keep giving us those ratings, those five stars, so that this can go further and wider. Remember, podcast at livingwaters.com with comments, thoughts, ideas, and all that good stuff. Don't forget the Living Waters Mug. I already said that. And the <laughs> Evidence Study Bible. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast. Oh, that was a weak podcast. Oh, that's weak. Getting worse. Forget it, podcast. Forget it. Where we have no idea what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.